Hello and welcome to another interview. This is Matt Hatter's Tea Party. I'm Wal Hattar and with me today is Omar Butt. He's the uh, founder and co-director of Grey Noise here at Dubai. And he and with us today, we're talking to him about his first curatorial show, um, which is called Even If I Cannot See the Sun. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. So, um, to start off, you want to give us a little background about yourself? Um, I was, uh, well... I was born an artist, I think, <laughs> uh, in a family with no artists, and uh, grew up between Sharjah and Lahore, um, my, where my parents, uh, my father still lives here, and uh, my mother moved uh, back to Lahore, where her family was from. Um, and um, I basically studied uh, my bachelor's in fine art from Lahore, from the National College of Arts, which is a very... Uh, kind of a central school for anything to deal with visual art and communication. Um, um, and my migration to Lahore was primarily to study for my BA. And uh, later on, I had various hats which I was uh, performing with. Uh, I was uh, very active in the theater. I learned um, light designing through traveling in Europe also doing various productions in Pakistan, traveling with productions, at the same time practicing, and uh, primarily also looking at the more academic side of artistic practice, because that was something which was really intriguing for me at that point. And which followed up, uh, I, went, I went for my master's uh, to London at the Chelsea College of Art and Design, uh, which was a year uh, research-based MA um, of fine art, but they would really let you explore um, your capability or your ability to respond to uh, the visual arts. So it was very broad. And that's where I really felt that my inclination towards uh, fine art was not primarily practiced mm -hmm. in a uh, studio, but also I got introduced to a lot of theory, which I had missed uh, a lot uh, while I was uh, doing my BA. Um, and then... I moved back to Pakistan, started teaching at the National College of Arts where I had graduated from in the MA program, uh, which was uh, a new program which started in 2000 uh, by uh, my professor, Lala Rukh, whom I represent at the gallery now, and um, followed up by opening up Grey Noise, which was um, a brainchild of mine uh, since I was negating and responding to a very weak infrastructure of gallery mm -hmm. within in the context of Pakistan specifically. Um, so I became the first gallery to actually have a lineup of artists as represented represented artists, which was very easy. But I still feel I don't know why still people don't practice that uh, direction. It's just making a uh, an infrastructure which was really. Um, in parallel to various artistic gallery programs across the world. And um, that started in 2008, initially as a website uh, in April, which I launched with a, go with a show, a group mm. presentation in, in a public space in Lahore. Followed up in November, on the 29th, 2008, November, I rented a thousand square foot space uh, in my friend's architectural firm. They offered me Mm -hmm. um, uh, a space where they felt 
they basically wanted it to rent it for their own. Uh, so you've you've yeah. been at this for for a while now, but this is the yeah. first time you curate. Yeah, I, I think uh, the the thing with curating for me uh, particularly, I'm a little I'm a little uh, I would say. Um, I'm a little uh, careful using this term because it's become accessible quite easily now. Um, I feel that um, a curator is referencing art history. My knowledge of art history is there, but it's not really as defined as it should be. Um, and uh, when you're referencing art history and you're trying to construct a narrative through looking at an artwork and bridging that somehow or the other, I think I, I, def I don't define my premise very well because of lack of maybe... Um, no, lack of knowledge, lack of uh, confidence on writing, which is mm -hmm. a very important part of curatorial um, uh, practice. Um, and yes, I am, I, I am someone who's very visual. Like mm -hmm. I look at things and then I, uh, and I, and I project that sensibility, which you get from, let's say, experiencing artworks. Um, and I feel that um, we've had co-curated exhibitions. I worked like starting from my personal show in Lahore in my garage where I parked my cars, uh, my, 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 my family uh, cars would be parked there, uh, doing a small event there, to a more, uh, I would say, serious curatorial mm -hmm. uh, intervention, which I did in collaboration with another curator, an artist, um, whom I used as, um, as a very important uh, link okay. to link my vision and yes. then bringing her uh, ability to contextualize the show, which we did in 2014 in Hong Kong. But uh, yes, I would say that I very cautiously and carefully took this decision last year that I would want to put up an exhibition at mm -hmm. the gallery. Of course, all the shows are going through me. I am the one who is selecting artists for my gallery roster. Yes. I am who is representing the gallery. Uh, in the front because I am the front man really I mean I, we have a very small team here um, but um, this was a decision made primarily uh, negating some personal concerns in the past year which I wanted to use or utilize as a form of therapy okay uh, which I don't think I address anywhere but uh, it's something which I just share one one to one on one conversations like I'm doing right now with you right which is very important because um, I felt that uh, it became a very important time after seven years running the gallery that I need to research on conceptual minimalism, which has been happening for a time, for a while. But I'm also firming up my, uh, my, my uh, hesitation on how to convince my viewer of how to appreciate minimalist art, uh, which is what I had read and heard and um, spoken about in the past few years and came to a sort of conclusion that uh, there is a very strong resonance in distance when you make conceptual art. They want to distance themselves, uh, the artist, uh, that, that the entry points are very limited. Like, uh, they're limited unless you really approach them in a critical angle, a little bit of uh, interest. So these are intentional, uh, these are in intended... Uh, I would say, um, uh, uh, layers which are, are built. And I'm kind of getting convinced now that uh, it will be and mm. always was a very difficult medium to reproduce, uh, sorry, to, to represent, okay. to, um, uh, to put forth to your collector. And uh, 
convince them that this is also a mode of practice. And my research as an artist mm -hmm. was entirely uh, based around conceptual minimalism, post-war 70s, Arte Povera, which basically was a movement in Turin started by a bunch of artists who were just uh, not rebelling, but trying to put forth a point of view that this is also another mode of engaging and making work where you take an ordinary object and you place it in the context of an art museum yes. or a gallery and you uh, you basically build a narrative around it which is something which comes through a deep interest in philosophy, in anthropology, in art history and they construct these narratives where concepts overpower the work. So uh, from what I understand is this is quite a, a personal development from, from your end that is kind of after the few years you've had setting up the shows here at Grey Noise and, and working with these artists to, to kind of get to this point for you, for you to collect them. So if you want to start with the title, uh, but even I cannot see the, see the sun, how, how did, how did you, can you explain the title a bit for us? Uh, of course. Um, and maybe how you came up with it. Um, it was very interesting that for me the integral part for curating this show was to voice out my artist's visual language mm -hmm. through my intentions or vice versa. They were already making work which was voicing my interest completely. So the works were already made, most mm -hmm. of them. Only one project is new. The rest of them are all existing works since 1997 to 2016. And the other aspect was collaboration, which I think every curator does. I mean, the curator has to in some point, engage in some kind of a formal conversation with the artist to know about their project, to see what they research on, to, to see what their intentions were and how they can place those angles and benefit it for their own curatorial premise. Now, what I did was that I was started, uh, I sort of started a, a very informal talk with some of my artists mm -hmm. I represent. And one of them is Sharbel Joseph Hajbutrus, who's basically a Lebanese artist based between Paris and Beirut. The conversation started in Paris in October last year, 2015, where I was introduced by Sharbel to a friend of his who's also a practicing conceptual artist named Marco Godino, who's in my show now. Um, Marco gave me a book uh, which he had just done, which was a little... Uh, artist book uh, around him looking at the notion of time and space. Um, there were poems in this book which were very beautifully laid out and it was a design, it was a book designed by uh, him in collaboration with the designer and the idea was to make a limited edition uh, print which most artists do when they're making artist books and then promote it as a sense as a sense of as, as, as a sense of philosophy or a or a mind mindset basically how they express little little things um, it really moved me the text and um, I was in a very uh, I was in a state of mind those days which was not very reflective of any kind of uh, hope or uh, any sort of uh, positivity I mean very much uh, I would say, hurt by several back-to-back, uh, -back, uh, okay. um, uh, I mean, uh, losses may it be a, a, a human loss or a, or, or a private or personal financial loss. And there are lots of things which were just not really helping me get together and uh, start research. I thought it was such a beautiful way of uh, uh, 
representing this by putting up the show make it a very personal narrative and i think i have very strongly a gallery program which is a lot about uh which is a lot about um uh, addressing these small little i would say uh, uh anecdotes through shows which i think uh, i i highlight a lot and i think theater and theatricality is something which is very important because theater is very interesting as a art form that um you are acting out a behavior through a script mm-hmm. and at the same time you are making somebody believe for those 2 3 hours that that person is going through that so i like these moments of escape where you really have escaped everything and you're in the mindset of a writer and an actor and then you are driven in it and then at the same time after 2 3 hours when the play is over you really come back into reality okay i was much interested in that 3 hours mm. as mm. a duration as an element of time and space which i felt was very important for me to address because that's where i could present a melodrama to a comedy to something extremely ironic that's what i had yeah, i guess you can also see it because the way you're describing it a lot of how musicians would describe an album precisely they have different songs or different chapters per se and then you collect it all into one one title one theme precisely so then with with this title in specific yeah. as mentioned it was kind of the dark time that you wanted to to, to yeah. look at and see yeah. did the actual title come early on or while you were doing the project no the title came only i think uh, by the end of uh, a month before the show mm-hmm. i was speaking with michael john wheelan one of my irish artists i represent he's based in berlin and we were doing a phone conversation and michael john has a very strong uh, history of um, uh reading uh, a lot of literature mm-hmm. and i knew that he is someone who really positions his titles very eloquently by looking at historic yes. mentions and lines and anecdotes quotes and also uh, literature which he remembers as studying throughout his career he mentioned to me uh, about um uh uh fyodor dostoevsky which basically was a uh, 19th century uh, lit, lit uh, a writer mm-hmm. a russian writer whose last book uh, was called my brothers kramazovs or the two brothers kramazovs if i'm not wrong um and that entire book uh, which was referred to me by mj and particular some chapters were a, a lot dealing with this notion of humanity which okay. was he was trying to highlight various facets of life which uh, we might have experienced or we exp- we have not experienced and how they construct this world around you and we always negate and we always think about you know a very selfish uh, self and then how they are affecting you constantly there was a lot of uh, debate around uh, i would just purely say humanity and also how he positioned the story of these two brothers and how he was bringing in his own philosophy into the life of these two brothers and in one of the lines which he spoke about where this title comes from it said something like but even if i cannot see the sun i will continue or mm-hmm. i will look forward to or something i can't exactly remember i, I would have to read it again but the particular line mentioned a very a beautiful metaphoric use of um um for instance just by reading the line and again and again but even if i cannot see the sun you know i can't see the sun but at the same time at the hindsight sun is the element in our world which constructs the notion of duration day mm. how the day begins so basically when a day has begun a new day a new um uh, 
a new cycle starts. Yes. So even if I ignore that there is a sun out and I'm still very optimistic or pessimistic as somebody thinking about my daily life or daily chores, I uh, have to, what he's trying to suggest is that you have to consider the fact that you are up, you are awake, and you've already in your hindsight experienced that you are not dead or you are still very much active and engaging with life. Mm -hmm. So the elements there which exist are... Um, the elements should give you that sign that, okay, what happened yesterday has to be left back and then you move on and you kind of okay. continue, you know? Well, that's interesting because I saw it a slightly different. I mean, I definitely see the the positive-negative contradiction together, but it was, at least from, from how I saw it, is, is the point of where even though it's kind of, it's dark and dreary and negative right now, which is, i.e., you cannot see the sun, but you know the sun is going to rise anyway. Yeah. The next day and continue. So it is a very yeah. interesting interpretation because I feel that um, the way you describe it, it's uh, equally accurate. And that's what he's trying to negate. Mm. He's not speaking about the negative or the positive. He's speaking about both. So it's really for me, what was interesting was that I was looking at a lot of aspects when I spoke about those three hours on the stage when mm. somebody experienced. I'm speaking in the entire show about these durations or these moments, which are... Um, primarily focusing on experiences which we've heard of or we experience, we know, but we don't really analyze those in depth. Simple example, night and darkness. Yes. So these two were my premises. I was interested in the poetics of the night, which for a lot of people and many of us, we experience night has this magic, you know, it's, it is uh, it is it is the moment where a lot of nature is active you know things are being reproduced there is um, there is light there is the element of uh, the, the the tide uh, a lot of things are happening around the sighting of the moon and um, at the same time uh, i think uh, what was interesting for me was to um, focus on hours which we know of but mm -hmm. we can't experience for instance sleep Yes. Sleeping. Um, so you're we, trying to capture the uncapturable in a way. Trying to. Those lost I mean, moments. Pretending to. Yeah, I would say so because the lost moments are also we reflect. Like the yes. next morning when we wake up, we discuss that, you know, I had a dream, but I don't remember what exactly it was, okay. but it just shook me, you know. Like these moments, I find them really um, a deeper psychological um, uh, research. And I'm also interested in how... With this minimal voice, yes. you create that stress. So then with this idea that you have, how did you, I guess in first part, select which, arts, which art pieces you wanted to include? But then secondly, how did you convince these artists that you wanted to have them in a group show about this theme with other artists? I just think that um, the people I picked, I chose, they have a formal respect for what I do. They have never... I mean, I think most of my artists I work with they understand that it's a collaborative project. Mm -hmm. It's not just about commercial sales and everything, of course, which is part of my career. But they are much and deeper interested in the idea of how I position myself as a gallery owner and a gallerist. They have a certain confidence and a certain, I would say, comfort that they know that if we propose this to Umar, he is going to take 10 more steps ahead and say, mm -hmm. okay, why can't we do this instead of this? Because I am constantly referring to art history. Fine. I'm constantly thinking about being an artist. So 
Having the works selected was primarily like easy because they were in our inventory and I knew the works. I had shown them in different okay, exhibitions. Yes. And some works which were very important, like the work of Lala from 1997 called Heartscape, that work which is in the show bridges a lot of this conversation or dialogue. Mm -hmm. It connects things. It connects different points. So um, my whole exercise was to go back to Lahore, sit with Dala, who I respect duly because she was my teacher. She's yes. a very good friend of mine. And she's somebody who has shown me light in dark times. Um, and she completely got into that conversation. I was like, Lala, first of all, when you have a friend, I mean, you ask for a favor, yes. they say, okay, sure, anything for you, right? <clears throat> I was like, Lala, I'm curating my first show. <laughs> I mean... Give me that, some pieces. Yeah, nah, but, 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 but she was like, fine, that's great. She was happy. And then, uh, but I knew that uh, asking for this particular work, which was really about a moment in her life which she was trying to make or reconstruct her energy back into practice um, was of private uh, concern. You know, it was uh, a work which was made around her mother's demise and also the fact how she was mourning in, in 1997 from July till November and then she basically collected herself back and used some of the references or materials she had collected while she was in the hospital and that ECG that you see beneath this work is the last three days of her mother's heartbeat which is uh, original and uh, of course it's really it's scary it's also extremely um, personal it's very uh, it's very uh, emotional and uh, what she's trying to do is really not play with emotion but rather construct a very positive uh, abstraction around the idea of sleep which mm. is basically uh, an indefinite sleep um, I mean with uh, from, from the show you have uh, I, uh, Lala's work I've seen in, in your shows before as well as uh, uh, Michael Jowell and, 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 and Cheryl. But uh, from what I understand, Sail in Tonight and Marco Godino are, are not part of uh, Grey Noise, correct? No. Marco basically works with a gallery in uh, France. And uh, he just was very much interested. And at the same time, Marco became a, a pivotal uh, artist in the show because I commissioned him to write me a poem. Yes, which is uh, which on is, the paper and in your... Yeah. The only explanation that we yeah. have when you... So the idea the of me escaping the dictation of a press release was also that I didn't want to write it. Okay. Because I, I, I could be terrible at it or I could be too uh, attached to it while editing it with somebody else because I don't have very good... Uh, I don't have, let's say, those flowery words which mm -hmm. an art historian can contextualize very well. I mean, flowery is a bad word to use, but, <laughs> but they are really exaggerated sometimes. And I find press releases to be like, like a dictation, you know. Okay. And I didn't want to dictate. I wanted to create that mystery around the poetry, which is very simply written, actually. When you read it, he is speaking with every artist and he is projecting this entire show in these seven chapters, which he proposed almost like an artwork mm -hmm. where he wanted me to... He represented the duration of the exhibition, which is seven weeks, with seven chapters. 
So, and then at the same time, his work in the show, which is called Everyday Revolution, is about the duration of the show. So it's 35 wine bottles representing the 35 days the show will be up. And we are just constantly adding red carnation in each wine bottle every day we open up the gallery. And we, in this process, we're looking at the death of a flower mm -hmm. because it's without water. And at the same time, we're adding that flower, which sort of signifies the sense of... Uh, a sense of... Um, time and uh, the sense of freshness mm -hmm. so the work is dying at the same time it's alive and that's what he did with the press uh, release with the po with the poetry with the poem which he wrote which is completely addressing the seven weeks of how this exhibition will go through transition so you actually can view the show in seven weeks in different transitions by yep. just reading that text these are entry points which he had thought about but I also let people read through and they get the essence. I mean, there is a particular color used on the wall, which is very intentional. A lot of people use gray just because it has this museum-esque kind of quality. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, for me, it was about highlighting those little frames of Lala and a little, little work of Michael John Whelan to really come out and try to indulge in some kind of formal um, viewing uh, dialogue with, with the viewer. And then the back room, which was kept white, was also how it opens up. It speaks about a lot about these areas which we don't know about, like the sleep, like the death, like uh, Michael John Whelan's photograph of um, uh, him going 120 meters down underneath a mountain to experience a seed vault. So there were these moments which I felt were like really cold. So you have very warm, very romantic start, yes. but you end up in this really sort of unforgivingly cold atmosphere. And then you return back when you escape, when you exit. And that's where you have the text again. So there are a lot of these sort of, uh, I would say, I'm, I'm someone who, who doesn't even think about, okay, this work is looking good. I'm interested in the walk as well. I'm interested in various facets, the noise. I'm interested in... Yeah, I mean, again, what we said early on, it's the development of the chapters along with the story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much like, uh, like uh, writing a play. Like, it is a theatrical display. And I, unfortunately or fortunately, I have started criti critically looking at my own uh, work when I even hang another show which I haven't curated that there is a very strong presence of uh, uh, light mm -hmm. and lighting, which I think um, I, I have experted since I have worked in theater and as a light director for quite a while, like seven years. Um, these things reflect, but then now they're annoying me. You know, I'm like, you know, why am I... It con it's, I don't like... Con I, I am control. I'm a mm -hmm. control freak that way when I work, I need things in my hand. I want to hang the show four days before the opening because I want to breathe in that space. I want mm -hmm. the artist to experience the work. I can't do last-minute work, mm -hmm. period. Like, that's something which I cannot operate with. This is a strict rule of my life, uh, which works very well uh, sometimes. And um, so I'm really consciously, critically looking at my own work. I don't, I don't think... I mean, uh, the day I self if i say praise to myself i think my work is done like you know I'm, I'm ending it there i need to keep it open always everybody can check out the the poem uh, on the site the show itself is on till march the 5th and um, even if you come in at night one of the pieces sail in tonight is is a sound uh, piece which you can hear from the outside which is only active at night actually um thank you for uh, talking to us Pleasure. and uh Good luck on your next shows. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye. Bye.